Hi, everyone, and welcome to Mind the Shifts. The name of this podcast is a play with words that refers to a notion of a real shift happening in the world, a shift strongly connected to the fact that humanity is integrating in a way that has never happened before in history. But it is also, it's, it also refers to a shift in the way our minds perceive our world and our reality. One theme that I've been spending a lot of time pondering, analyzing, and also writing about is something I call the cozy darkness of the apocalypse. Now, what kind of a strange concept is that? Well, it's the fact that we have a hard time acknowledging progress, no matter in what field, and that we tend to focus on the few bad things that happen and forget the many good things that happen all the time. There are a number of reasons why we, we function in this way, and I intend to talk more about that in this podcast. In this episode, we're going to look closer into one particular aspect of human development, one that is discussed a lot and considered extremely important, democracy. My two guests, Professor of Political Science Mikael Sandberg at the University of Halmstad in Sweden and independent political science researcher Max Ronge are working with something quite remarkable. They're developing the largest and probably most reliable data set on political systems in the world. Max is the creator. Let's hear him explain how it all started. I started around uh, 17 years ago now, I believe. And I have developed uh, institutional da data for institution institutions and dem level democracy. Mm -hmm to all countries and every month since 1789 and all states and years since 1600. All states and, and all years. Yes. yes. That sounds like a truly Herculean task. That has <laughs> been my, possible. It's a li uh, life work the past 50 years or so. Yeah, I must say. So, <clears throat> and I, I first, I uh, developed this very much my own based on my interest and my uh, academic uh, background in political science. And, and then after a few years, I get in contact with Mikkel, firstly from a radio program, I believe he was part in and I contacted him. And from there on we had began to develop even more of this data in order to function as a academic, academic tool and for political science purposes. And this has ever since been uh, even further developed by new variables and such as ideology and... Yeah, we're gonna come back to, to that a little bit, uh, or a lot, I guess, uh, and this, how, uh, yes. how to compare this, your, your, your work with, with other institutions' work and uh, uh, <clears throat> different yes. ways of looking at democracy. Maybe if we if we look a little bit closer uh, at these four uh, these seven criteria, uh, if we a little bit more deeply, we start with yeah. number one territorial control. That sounds I mean to me that doesn't sound like a criterion for democracy, but but you, no, you but uh, quite, to end the government, uh, it is necessary for the government or, or regime to have control over its territory in order to be a democracy. For instance, you can have a, a government that is 
truly in in a basic sense democratic, but if it doesn't have territorial control, then it doesn't affect the whole country. Hmm. So that's a fundamental fundamental criteria, I believe. I guess that's something you seldom think about. Have you got a good example of that, uh, historical or or? Uh, one example is Iraq. That is, that were basically democratic since 2006. But uh, during the early years of the ISIS domination in the, from the invasion from 2014 and forward, yeah. one could consider the government being not in control of sufficient territory to be democratic. Ah, oh, that's true. And in some sense, you can say the, the same thing about Afghanistan for some years. Then what do you mean that Afghanistan was in many respects a democracy, but it didn't have control over its territory? Is that what you're saying? It may have had some, uh, it may have fulfilled some basic criteria for at least uh, electoral democracy. Hmm. But if they're not in uh, sufficient control of territory of Afghanistan, then it will, <coughs> it will be hard for them to qualify as a democracy. Okay, so what about number two? That sounds more straightforward uh, for someone who's... Uh, political competition, yes. Political competition, yes. Tell yes, us a little bit more about that. <clears throat> that's a one, one of the most fundamental criteria is that, is that uh, there should be at least two or more good political alter alternatives in an election or in the political uh, society in order to function as a democracy. And... Uh, <clears throat> I believe that would be a even more uh, important criteria than uh, several other because in a broader sense, one could uh, consider uh, Great Britain as uh, electoral or weak democracy even back to the 1783, mm -hmm. simply because they had a good political competition between the conservatives and the liberal party, even though they have lacked some uh, or other Criteria for in the suffrage or in the okay and so on uh, and political mm -hmm. rights. They, it's simply because they were had a good political competition between the parties and they would need one of them at having a an obvious advantage in the elections, which mm. even though not uh, perfectly. Otherwise, they didn't have the, all, all things in place. And, Yes, and they did have a frequent shift of government and regimes over the years yeah. as well. Gladstone and, and the Israeli. <laughs> what? Yeah. Gladstone yeah. and the Israeli in the, in exactly. the 19th century. Yeah. And in other and countries where... Yeah, no. sorry. Go ahead. No. Okay, number three. I was just uh, continuing here on the list. No, okay. Fre freedom of speech and media and assembly. That sounds also like uh, something that's uh, pretty natural to ask for. Uh, and it's also something that is very much uh, in focus these days, don't you think, when, you, when people talk about democracy? Yes, uh, that's, <clears throat> I agree there. there it is very much, uh, it's very much a criteria that is necessary for at least uh, good political accountability. Mm -hmm. I mean that even though a government could have been uh, a popular legitim legitimacy and I've been uh, representing the actual will of the people, but uh, by cor at least correct elections without apparent fraud. Still, if there is not a good free media or 
right, uh, freedom of expression. There is no, not uh, sufficiently good political uh, accountability. accountability mm. Then to, you have uh, a, a criteria, a criterion uh, which is a little bit less uh, straightforward, I guess. A little bit less uh, easy to understand what it's about. It's it's called the it's called electoral integrity and quality. What do you mean yes, by that? That, the, <clears throat> that is uh, simply the electoral procedures. That they shall both be free, correct, and uh, under a secret secret vote. Okay. Okay. I see. Basically. And number five is constitutional consensus. Is that this that one, one is, uh, um, yeah? Hmm? This is, is uh, it? basically it's about one thing that is uh, quite crucial for a stable democracy, such as the political alternatives, even though disputing about political issues, they still have some kind of democratic respect for one another. Hmm. And they okay. will still... Uh, after a finished and correct elections, they will have enough respect to consider the winning part uh, legitim legitimacy. Okay, like uh, for instance, uh, what's been happening in a few countries in, in Africa with uh, formerly no, no long traditions of democracy, like in Nigeria, when good luck Jonathan stepped down uh, uh, and, and uh, gave room Buhari. for Buhari. That's an example of that, is it? Uh, that is an example of uh, improved. Im improved uh, number five uh, criteria. That, that is one uh, that has some. Mm -hmm. And then number six. But, but also that, there, you can, yeah. there you can say that uh, if there is a, after, if there is a, if an election is uh, considered free and fair or a constitutional consensus could, could also be the fact that if uh, if the losing party in the election doesn't recognize the, the winners as mm. correct uh, as being so correctly. Can I ask? Uh, yes, Mikael. Yes, I just I, I associated with the, the problem Ukraine has had for a long time now that the eastern parts really have uh, the eastern parts have a, a population in which in reality is not really accepting uh, the constitution of Ukraine. Uh, they still think they belong to Russia, even if they right. if they live in the territory of Ukraine. That is one aspect, yes. Yeah, just to add to this uh, discussion. Yeah. Number six, general suffrage. That's something that you hear <laughs> many times from countries that, that you consider being dictatorships, really, because they, they force their population to go out and vote for, for the, the one and only leader. Yeah. So what about general suffrage? How, how important is that? Well, that is important. Of course, it's in order to consider a country democratic. It is important and necessary to have a broad electoral suffrage with an equal vote. Mm. But I, still was just I, put, I was just teasing a little bit, but... <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. But still, it's, in the, it's not one of the most important because when comparing to political competition, for instance, I would say that a country with uh, limitations in general suffrage, like Britain in the 18th, 19th century, 
if you compare that to the Soviet Union in the 19, in the 20th century. Soviet Union had a general suffrage with a, and a, but without a polit good political competition or criteria that are most more important. Mm -hmm. yeah. What about they countries can, that are democratic but they but have mandatory uh, suffrage that you have to you you, you have to yeah, I see like like Belgium for you. Belgium, instance. Greece, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. What about those countries? Well, I, uh, in that aspect, that does not, I haven't really taken that into account there. Okay. I wouldn't consider them more democratic. I wouldn't consider them less democratic. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but, uh, and then the, we have number seven, is, which is, um, yeah, uh, constitutional order. Sounds yeah, pretty that, heavy. That are uh, re related to institutional uh, functions in a society or... Mm. And the, and the balance of power between uh, parliament and executive, for instance. Yeah, okay. I would say. So, and these are the seven criteria that uh, are needed in, in, your, in, your, um, uh, in your analysis here and in, in order your to database. Be a, in order to be a qualified democracy, mm -hmm. sufficient the, uh, standards in all these is needed. Yeah, okay. And then whether, to what extent your lacking in uh, mm. either of them, you will be in a different mm. other mm. level of democracy. So how do you go about when you, when you uh, list countries uh, um, in order to, 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 to tell whether they are democratic or not? How, how do you go about doing this? How do, you, how do you weigh these criteria, for instance? And how does that differ from how other institutions and databases go about doing it? Well, I would say that uh, looking at, uh, as I said, <laughs> in order to be a qualified democracy, you have to fulfill all criteria. And if you fulfill uh, the most important, but uh, lacking in the less, a little less important, you could be, mm. uh, at least be a well, weak or electoral democracy. I understand you have and, a system uh, of, uh, from, you have a um, grading from zero to 100, is it? or? To, in, in one of our scales, yes. We have a more, even more detailed scale. As okay, well. up, to, up to what? Uh, 1,000, but in 200. 1, okay, that sounds really <laughs> detailed. So far, Very it's ambitious. 200. It's, an, it's under progress too, to be. Okay. So, so far, that's, the, yeah. 200. Um, that, that's the basis for this then. Um, and... Uh, well, we can let in Mikael here and uh, hear what yeah. he has to say about, about these yeah. criteria and, and how you have been able to use this uh, Max's work in, in your uh, research. Yes, thank you. I, I um, think it's a fascinating data set, of course, and uh, it's a creation uh, of uh, Max's that is, I mean, uh, um, it's so huge project he endeavored to 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 take on when he was uh, 15 years younger than today. It's amazing. Uh, nobody would even dare or think uh, of doing this, and it was almost uh, the case that I I doubted his work in the beginning when he took contact with me because I was doing 
research together with uh, people, um, the researchers from Stockholm, and we used the standard American data sets that are available on the net freely. Um, but um, these are quite different from Max's. The basic difference is that <clears throat> Max uses a categorical scale, that is, uh, each uh, value on his special index indicates a yes or no to a certain element or component or institution of that regime, while in other databases normally you have simply a scale from zero to one or zero to ten or something like that without really indicating what it contains in reality as um, regime type. So um, it's in, in essence... Uh, What's the problem with that really? It's uh, well there are problems in the sense that it's more difficult statistically to, to use it because uh, normally you, uh, uh, if you use statistical analysis, you prefer uh, often scales from one to zero or one to uh, zero to one, to one, zero to 10, zero to 200 and so forth, because it makes it easier statistically to to find, uh, to measure associations between variables, as we say. Okay. Uh, but in Max's case, uh, you have a categorical values, but it's actually, um, I think it's correct, but it is more demanding in a sense, because then you have to use other methods too. On the other hand, once you do that, you discover uh, more interesting uh, patterns uh, in results. Mm. So it's um, in fact has greater scientific potential. Mm. And so it's amazing that it exists. Uh, and I really uh, am impressed by his work. Mm. Uh, so, um, so this, this data set, which is called max range, by the way, that's yeah, how you yeah. pronounce it in yeah. English. And it's, it's a yeah, play so. of words with, with Max's name, Max Ronge, which yeah. spells uh, uh, Max Range in English. So, uh, would you say, Mikael, and also Max, that this is the most ambitious data set uh, about uh, regimes and political systems in the world ever created? Yes, I, I would say so. About Those, regimes, at least, I, I think yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you think, if you think in terms of describing the details of each regime, definitely yes. Hmm. There are other data sets, but they are uh, more abstract, which means that once you find relationships between values, you cannot really relate that to what it means in, in practice to each hmm. country and year. Um, Wow, this is amazing. I mean, has Max and you and this database gotten the, the, the acknowledgement that it, that it should uh, as yet? <laughs> do, do, do researchers know about this in the, in the United States, uh, for instance, and Europe? Uh, uh, yeah. well, we do our best. We do our best, but it's not that easy always to, um, to um, 
be recognized. Uh, I think it partly depends on, I don't know what you say here, Max, but I think it's, it's difficult in a small country in Europe to find uh, additional sources for supporting this research mm. when other databases also exist compared to if we were doing research in the United States or in Germany or... Uh, Would you get funding in a, in a, in a um, different way if you were to research about this in the United States? I mean... It's, More likely. Uh, I More mean, likely. yes, I, I do think it's a huge difference uh, mm. in plurality, both in terms of sources and groups of researchers within the same field. We tend mm. to be... Uh, avoiding competition mm. researchers and once uh, one group is financed you you seldom find that uh, a competing group also gets funding so you don't want to get a second opinion here in sweden <laughs> no <laughs> when, when it comes to research so that's what i that's what i think um, i i once i called uh, max uh, the lineus of um, political yeah, it sounds a little bit like it, actually. It's really amazing. I mean, I've, I've seen some, when I have been working at the newspaper, Dagens Nyheter, we have, we have uh, talked before and I've written articles uh, about this work. So I've, I've looked into it a little bit, but it's really, it's really huge and it's really impressive to see to, to what detail you, 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 can, you can pinpoint the democratic development in all these countries. As it really has to be seen as it's difficult to convey this uh, in a podcast like this, but we can. I, 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 and I yeah. believe you only have seen the yearly data. I would like to emphasize that in the full data, it's on a monthly. monthly. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's on that a monthly month. basis. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's totally unique. You know, you yes. can only find <laughs> yearly data otherwise, but this is monthly. That's true. That's true. That's what I you often hear. Yeah, I haven't into the details of that yet. But no, so yeah, it's really amazing. It's incredible. So hopefully this will this will spread a little bit more, and the knowledge of this data set will spread a little bit more yeah. <laughs> through this podcast and through other other sources. Of course, uh, I will surely try try and do that. Thank so you. let's get a little bit more uh, into the, the 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 quality of this, the what it means uh, on the ground, so to speak and what has been going on, what has happened in the world, democracy-wise, because you hear, you hear many things about this. Uh, briefly, you could say that uh, democracy, of course, spread very fast during the latter half of, of uh, the last century. We all know about that, especially after the fall of the Berlin Wall. But then recently, last maybe five or ten years there have been a lot of discussions about the setbacks um, i mean renowned other data sets databases and institutions like freedom house very heavy institution in the united states and the european intelligence yeah. unit which also publishes uh, uh, work about where democracy is going every year uh, they have repeatedly repeatedly reported about these setbacks as they say sometimes described as alarming and um, it has become almost, you could say, the general picture today. No one, especially not in the media, really questions that there is a backward trend. But, but I know that you criticize this narrative some, to some degree or to a large degree, maybe. So why are these other institutions wrong? 
<coughs> to some agree, I would say yes. Uh, I would, uh, we would agree that uh, there is, uh, if we look at a few different levels of democracy, there is a degradation of the number of qualified and strong democracies in the world. Mm-hmm. But when looking at these, most of them go ahead, transfers to a weaker electoral democracy rather than going to authoritarianism. And even though others may uh, focus on the authoritarianism trends, uh, most countries are still uh, remain democratic in the basic sense. So and what they're talking about is, 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 House, is, 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 is more about the, the uh, standard on the democracy. Other institutions like Freedom House has very high standards for being a democracy. Uh, ah. Uh, basically matching what uh, the Max Range call qualified democracy. Hmm. And is that a problem? Uh, is that a problem that, that, they, that, that they have high standards? The problem is that country, countries that doesn't fulfill criteria of qualified democracy could still be democratic if they are, the, are according to us if they are fulfilling the formal criteria of electoral quality and political competition and so on. Mm-hmm. And that you should distinguish from the countries that are not uh, democratic, that freedom of calls partly free. Their category of partly free often uh, combines the countries that are in basic sense democratic with uh, sufficiently enough uh, credible elections and political competitions. And they're combining those with countries that are not fulfilling democratic criteria at all. Mm. And then if you're measuring the number of countries that are actually democratic in a broader sense, mm. there, there is no really, there is no visible setback in the number of democratic states. And also if you, can, if you, if you widen out the objectives a bit uh, and look at the number of authoritarian states in the world, there has been a there has been a clear progress of leading to fewer democrat offshore states over even the last decade okay Very so nice. the number of authoritarian states has declined yes. uh, undoubtedly Undoubtedly. and the the number of uh, democracies in general terms has increased undoubtedly those those are basically the about the same i would say about the same since when? Since 10 years since, ago? Uh, if you compare uh, f- 10, 15 years ago. Okay. It's but when on, the to- measuring... on the top level, talking about the qualified democracies, the, the very top. The strong, the strong democracies, yes. Here, the strong democracies. Yes. There you have seen some kind of setbacks. Is that there, correct? There, are, there, are, there are, we have seen a significant setback, yes. Okay. okay. But not as dramatic as uh, others may say. I would rather say it has faded out the last years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what the discussion is about then, maybe you can come in here also, Mikael, uh, yeah. is that they are exact, I'm, if I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, this is my words, not yours, but yeah. they are perhaps exaggerating uh, the backward trend by focusing only on these uh, highly qualified democracies and what's happening there and, and talking almost nothing about what's going on on the the, the, the tiers that are a bit lower down on the scale, so to speak, uh, they're not looking at all 
on the countries that are lifting themselves up from, from authoritarianism up to weak democracies and so on. Is that, is that what's happening? Uh, yes, uh, I would say. I, 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 cannot, I cannot show that on, on, on the screen now, but uh, there was a peak in the qualified democracies in 2006. And I think I can see here that it was 117 at that point. And then uh, now, this year, uh, we have 88. So it means a decline from the peak 2006. On the other hand, the electoral democracies increased in number. So last year, we had 57. And this year, 54, as far as I can see now. And um, we have a slight increase in so-called false democracies. Mm -hmm. um, so that is what I can... And false democracies is, uh, is what I would call a country that is neither authoritarian or democratic. Mm -hmm. Some, several other make a clear the black and white picture of authoritarian states and democratic. And I believe it's uh, important to also have a focus on countries that are neither. Uh, that many countries that go in uh, many failing democracies doesn't go to authoritarianism if they if yeah they're that's an like interesting they, they question could, uh, also they could go to mm -hmm. intermediate false democracy level mm -hmm. and many authoritarian states before they go to democratic states they could stop at the false democratic level yeah and most countries that do so doesn't retreat in authoritarianism in the next step they will there they're off to be democratic. So I believe it's important to have an intermediate step between authoritarianism and democratic states. Okay, yeah, we, we could, should explain to the audience also that you, you, you not only have these seven basic criteria, but you also have these different levels of uh, uh, democracy, which you have labeled in, you have different names for the the, the the best democracy and the worst, so to speak. Can you can you just yeah. briefly say which they are? I think there are there are five or six uh, levels. There are there are five basic levels. I would say five basic. So let's take the basic. Those are the qualified levels. democracy. Yeah. And a weak electoral democracy, which is weak also electoral. democratic. Democratic, yeah. but uh, doesn't fulfill the high standards like the qualified democracy. And uh, below that, we have the false democracy countries that have some political competition in, uh, mm. in a broader sense as uh, some, uh, some functioning political uh, society and uh, opposition, but it's not authoritarian. And authoritarian states... Number four. Is the level below. Yeah. And authoritarian states are uh, divided into what I would call a basic authoritarianism and uh, despotism. And these are distinguished basically on the how decentralized the power is. Mm -hmm. but, despotis but despotisms are very much a dictatorship under a leader or a government very much in control of. It's very much a dictatorship, even where compared to basic autocracy or a general level yeah. of authoritarianism, where you can, uh, where, the, where the power very <coughs> lies more in, a, in the party, in a one party or in a parliament. Mm. And still has so some uh, political accountability to the government. 
despotism is the, the, the regime type that was dominant several hundred years ago, I guess. <laughs> that was the, <laughs> yeah, the type of... Yeah. There were well, maybe one or two uh, countries that didn't have it. Uh, that was very dominant, yes, be, yeah. up to uh, about 100 years ago, let's say. Yeah, and so today, uh, would you say, how, ma how many countries would you describe as despotism, despotisms today? Those are shrinking in numbers, I would say. It's something around 18, 19, I would say, today. 18 or 19? Yeah. So countries like Eritrea, North Korea, is yeah, that correct? Good examples, yes, and Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia as well. Qatar, United Arab Emirates. Okay. More likely. So many, <laughs> those okay. countries are very much despotic. Okay. Okay. Uh, so to be to be a little bit topical here, when we record this episode, there has recently been a presidential election in, in Poland and the incumbent from the ruling party, PIS, um, yes. Andrzej Duda, yeah, yeah. which can, uh, and his party can be described as, if not authoritarian, I, I guess, at least nationalist. nationalist. He prevailed in this election, and uh, this is seen as a problem for democracy when you read about it in, in the papers. And you hear similar words concerning Hungary as well. And both those countries are members of the European Union, which is supposed to be the beacon of democracy. So what is your take on the Polish and the Hungarian situation, which is interesting and very topical right now? Well, yes, I would say that uh, naturally, of course, there are democratic shortages in both Poland and Hungary, even though I believe Hungary, since the latest election, has, has as a result of lacking political accountability and free media, has landed on below the democratic level. Okay. And it's today considered a false democracy, which doesn't fulfill even standard for weak electoral democracy, which I still believe Poland is. Poland is still a qualified democracy or? No, no, uh, yeah. not. Uh, no, it's not at the top it's, tier. It's, it's, uh, it's a weak electoral democracy. Okay. Today, I would okay. say it's mm -hmm. still, uh, even, though, even though they have uh, judicial reforms that uh, can, be, can be criticized by all rights, there, uh, one should also acknowledge that if the elections are basically free and there is a quite vibrant uh, opposition party that uh, can't fulfill its role, unlike in Hungary where the opposition is very weak. In Poland, mm. there is a quite strong opposition, which we've seen, mm. which we saw in the elections with a civic platform having uh, almost 50% in the vote. But what is it in Poland that has, has, has uh has uh, made that country uh, slip down on, on the scale. Is it the, the, what they have done to the, to the judiciary? I would Maybe. say so, yes. Okay. But I wouldn't say that uh, those reforms are an imminent threat of authoritarianism. I would say that it will not uh, be a, fun a good and prosperous democracy with, the, with those kind of reforms. But thanks to a strong and vibrant opposition and quite overall clean elections, mm. and thanks to the actual leg democratic legitimacy of the elections, I would say that Poland is still a democracy. And what I believe, Sorry. besides uh, the judiciary and the media mm. situation, 
one should not uh, take into account uh, ideological perspectives when measuring a democracy. I believe for as long as it, uh, there is enough space for uh, freedom of speech and political opposition mm. on uh, the ideological sense like a nationalist rhetoric or it's not mm. an asp aspect of democracy, at least for a higher criteria. Do you think uh, an institution like Freedom House, very renowned, very well known, uh, does a little bit of that when they, for instance, uh, they have a very much, much more coarse uh, definition of, of democracy? They have basically three <coughs> levels. And, and they, for instance, they put, they put North Korea in the same category as Russia, which is to me a bit, a bit odd. Uh, I would say that that is one of our main uh, problematic uh, methodological problems with uh, mm. Freedom House. Yeah. Since I, they have uh, emphasized too much, even though they are right to do it in some aspect, but uh, they emphasize too much on the civil rights and the, the content and nature of political decisions, and which may, might have an effect on the qualified democracy, one may say, but when comparing that to formal criteria like political competition or electoral quality and so on, civic rights and civil rights should be secondary. And I believe that over the years, they have began to emphasize even more on those criteria. Mm. And that leads to a historical uh, imbalance since they judge yeah. present states harder. Than Difficult they did to compare 15, historically then. 15, 20 years ago, where they, when they didn't have those. Oh, that's also a reason why it looks worse than it is maybe. The, the, yes, slip, maybe, the, the slide yes. looks, looks steeper than it actually is. If they judge countries today harder in the civil rights criteria than they did yeah. 15, 20 years ago, ah. and then you would believe it would, it would appear that countries today are more authoritarian or less democratic than, than before, even though yeah. there is maybe no rich difference. Fascinating. What, do you have a take on this, Mikael, also? Um, yes, I agree with uh, Max that it's important to distinguish between democracy as a method of political decision making and political communication and its content in terms of civil rights, tolerance, certain values, etc. Mm. Um, and um, it's important to see that if the system works as such, that is, if um, winning parties do actually form government, uh, you shouldn't judge the resulting regime from its ideology or content, in fact. And it's an old, I mean, I could, I could trace this to um, uh, both a uh, professor at Harvard, uh, Joseph Schumpeter, and also to our own uh, legendary political scientist, Herbert Tingstein, who echoes mm. the same idea. Uh, democracy has no content. It's a method of making political decisions on the mm. basis of many people's votes. It's as simple as that. But nowadays, you tend to think of the content 
before you think of uh, the system as a machinery for making political decisions. Uh, and is I, that I, is that also the reason behind the the, the polarization that we're seeing right now? Yes, I think by means of social media and etc., uh, you can somehow find the, the weak points of democracy by certain injections of poison um, and win power by means that were not even thought of when democracy in its original mechanisms were, was uh, constructed. I mean, mm. basically, democracy was founded when we only had newspapers. Um, and nowadays, with social media, uh, there's a totally different political communication environment for democracy. And it hasn't really responded to that threat yet. Uh, maybe we come to that, but I, but I think democracy in the future will have to deter threats from um, polarization and social media uh, somehow um, because it can uh, it can find uh, um, weaknesses in the construction and exploit mm. them um, mass movements can be very dangerous um, I mean we saw that in in Germany in the in the 30s but the same thing can apply today by means of social media I think actually you think so you think that even in a world where people are more educated than ever and more informed than ever know more about the world than ever more about know more about the conditions in other places of the world than ever that it still could uh, yeah deteriorate like that yeah yeah i mean uh, humans are also social animals so they tend mm. to like friends they like mm. what friends say they like so you like before you even think you look at a tweet or a message posted and mm. you like it because the person who posted it is a friend of yours not because of the content so i mean normally democracy is should be based, I think, on your own critical thinking of what is the things in society you can change by means of politics. Hmm. Nowadays, people tend to like whatever their friends like. Hmm. Now, suddenly, you get avalanches of activism that may, may have a you know, attractive cause, but still may threaten um, the stability of uh, a, a rather sensitive mechanism. Yeah. Democracy. So, I mean, that, but maybe that could be a, a topic for discussion. Yeah, very, very much so. We, we can delve a little bit into that if you want to. I mean, there's not only the social media thing that you're talking about here. There, we have also lately seen many protests in the streets all over the world 
mm. um, both in countries we we denominate as democracies and in and, and in authoritarian countries. Could, yeah. could can you sense or could you could you see that we are in some way uh, seeing a transformation or evolution of democracy that it's going someplace else? Maybe maybe we 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 are we are done with the 1789 construction of democracy and we need something different. Um, I think the the basic idea is good, <laughs> but <laughs> as every good system, it can be exploited by threats, um, and uh, this is a threat. Uh, there is a threat of new communication systems that were not even. Uh, thought of when uh, when we invented the type of democracy we have today. Mm. So that's um, that's uh, one problem. We have to deal with that somehow, and uh, probably globally. I'm not I'm not sure. I think this is a national problem, r no. rather a global problem. So maybe we should have some kind of uh, global authority uh, controlling what is really happening on the internet or in social media. You said the words control and authority. That doesn't, that yeah. doesn't sound very de democratic in my ears. <laughs> yeah, no, but not control. The paradox. Certain, yeah, yeah, not control for um, uh, a certain purpose, but to Sur regulate. Surveillance, that. yeah. Mm -hmm. Not survey, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> Is speaking in favor of civilians, but from regulation. Okay, regulate regulation. Yeah, I understand. Also, yeah. uh, mm. since we have um, companies like Facebook and Twitter that are private corporations, that yeah. is a problem if you have them controlling mm. uh, the communication, which in fact is a matter for uh, mm. the public sphere. The problem is also you have so many public spheres now instead of one. So one group of people don't know what is going on in the other sphere. So we, we divide ourselves in little tribes that think alike together, but different uh, in between. So mm. it's uh, fragmentation. Some people do. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, convinced that that goes for the general public actually, but I know that there are some tribes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I, 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 I realized that um, it, we have to be careful in the future uh, with what we accept as means for political communication. That's yeah, but maybe what's starting here it yeah. could could be some 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 uh, yeah. initiation of of a transformation of democracy that we don't know as yet where it's going to lead. But maybe there is something happening. I mean. Just two, the two basic things that are so, we're so used to them that we don't even think about it, that democracy uh, has to be based in the nation state and we, we elect our leaders in the nation state. And the second one being that we have leaders at all. I mean, we, we need to have parties, we need to have leaders that lead us and we choose them in the nation state. I mean, what if that is not uh, a given? Uh, I mean, if you look 50 years from now, is it? Do, yeah, could it be um, that, that that there is some other kind of uh, type of ruling countries, maybe more collectively? I don't know. Maybe organizations. I don't know. Maybe having administrators and inspirers, but not leaders. 
it's a it's philosophical diff- thought, but but wh- why not? Difficult, difficult to say, but <laughs> based on the uh, based on historical uh, experiences, one could expect uh, it, fifty years is very uh, long period, but compared uh, today with fifty years ago, the institutional basics of a political system is very much the same. Mm. And even though technological uh, progress could uh, perhaps change that in some aspect, it's that <laughs> it is difficult to see how that would uh, change, yeah. how that would uh, work in a proper democratic system where uh, each person's vote uh, is the word the same and not, not dependent on how well you are uh, organized on I can get the sense, this is a little bit more philosophical again, but I can, I can get the sense sometimes when I speak to people about what they think of politicians and, and the, the, the leadership of the, the, their country and other countries that they kind of feel that they long for uh, independence, more independence, and that they can think by themselves. They don't, they don't need these leaders. I mean, you know very well about this well, thing of uh, well, but still uh, cont- contempt for politicians, uh, which I still could be a bad thing, of course. Yeah. But it's, it could also be that uh, that people don't they, they don't say yes and and amen to everything that politicians say today, which they might have done fifty years ago when all their families yeah. had always yeah. voted for the social democrats or the moderates in Sweden, in this case of Sweden, and 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 so they did that. But today people don't think that way. They, they, I think they yeah. think more independently. <clears throat> Well, yes, that may be a good thing, but still, uh, there has to be someone at the top uh, making the decisions, I believe. And mm. there has to be a system of, uh, uh, a fair system of uh, electing representatives and having people taking responsibility for the actions as well. Mm. And it is yeah. still, <laughs> it might be difficult to have a institutional political society with uh, authorities that are not uh, based on a current democratic or uh, elections or political yeah, system. Yeah, I agree. Mm. You mentioned okay. the constitutionalism, Max, for as a prerequisite for democracy. Uh, and uh, it's very important that you have national agreement about what is the rules of the political game. I, yeah. I agree. But some problems like corruption, environment, and uh, creation of new uh, political movements sometimes um, work at a level above nation states. So I think we have a tendency of increasing European level uh, forces that would, would like to have a stronger integration of European nations, for instance. Uh, that's what I believe is uh, could be a possibility in, in fifty years from now that we have a stronger European integration as a balance to, say, uh, China and the U.S. Though I'm not sure that China, Red China, exists in in uh, fifty years. In, uh, fifty years, uh, you know, it can. It's. Uh, can also change very rapidly there. Mm. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I mean, things can change very rapidly. <laughs> so can democracy. Yeah, I mean, well, anyway, those who live will see what happens. 
Um, yeah. You mentioned the United States. I just want to ask uh, about that also, going back to the more uh, practical aspects of this. Uh, the, this is the, arguably the only superpower in the world still um, because of its cultural influence and all that, as well as the economic. Uh, and it's in for a political thriller this fall with a presidential okay. election. So what about the United States? You hear a lot about the the, the setbacks in the US as well. Has Donald Trump, uh, uh, has Donald Trump uh, deteriorated democracy in the United States as you see it? From an institutional yeah. or a basic formal uh, Point, way to yeah. say it, not very much. It's, <clears throat> I believe you still could see that uh, even though it's rhetoric and some of his politics may be criticized. The institutional and the constitutional uh, order of the United States is very much <clears throat> shown that it works, mm. I would say. What about you, Mikael? Do, do you see the same in the United States? I, I hope you're right, Max. I, I, well, I, I wouldn't I couldn't. <laughs> I am not an expert of the United States, but I believe... No. Uh, but on your scale, it hasn't. It hasn't. It hasn't. Uh, it fallen hasn't so uh, fallen yet from the qualified to a weak democracy. I mean, um, yeah, we, 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 as always, we will see. But I mean, let's say Trump loses, mm. then we really hope he also leaves power because you know, if he does not, then we don't have a democracy any longer. Uh, of course. Um, How would that even to... work? Excuse me. How would that even work, him not leaving power? I mean, he could say, well, I don't believe in this result and um, make a campaign about uh, some corruption in the election committees or whatever. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't believe that actually. But I mean, no. that, that could indicate that. That uh, really could be a threat, yes. Mm. I mean, um, you never know when it comes to Trump. No, that's true. That's very <laughs> what, true. What yes. does. Uh, one one had to see, but <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, I, kind of, yeah. I have kind of uh, thought that he might get tired of being president if, if, he's, if he doesn't have very broad support, if he sees that his numbers are going down. Uh, of course, he can doctor the numbers a bit himself, but um, mm. as the situation is now, his, uh, the opinion the, the, the his 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 numbers are not very good actually. I think Biden is a bit. Uh, yeah. Biden is in the lead. Yes. Higher. Is so, in the far. Lead, yeah. so far. So far. So yes. far. How that is possible is also uh, an enigma. But uh, anyway, uh, so um, we'll see what happens with democracy within the next fifty or hundred years. And uh, and your work is so important. I think. Uh, and I, believe I, I really believe that. Looking at. Uh, five or 10 year perspective, the, the, the prediction is that it will, uh, there is a trend that it's faded out the level of democracy in the world. Mm. And some countries are uh, dropping, falling out, but there are also countries uh, turning into democracies. And our wild guess is that uh, it's where it, the level of democracy will, uh, I don't believe in the notion that authoritarianism will take a lead in the world. No, I, I see, um, I, I think, as I mentioned before, I think um, populism is a kind of parasite on, on the democratic systems. So 
if we just invent the correct immunity system, we can handle that problem. It will take mm. some years, but mm. we will do that probably. Uh, also, we have to think that we have to consider the fact that democracy on a world scale has been so immensely successful uh, the last hundred years. So, I mean, it can be, uh, maybe it was a bit too successful, uh, uh, which meant that uh, countries that really didn't have the, all the uh, sufficient conditions yet became democracies, but now under stronger conditions and harsh conditions actually fall back into uh, electoral democracy or slight, you know, yeah. uh, democratic problems like Poland and uh, Hungary. Um, and if I could add here, <coughs> one of the most important criteria for not failing as a democracy yeah. is that you're a weak democracy compared to a qualified democracy. And since both we and others have identified that the number of qualified democracies are fewer and the number of weaker, elect weaker democracies are more, one can expect mm -hmm. that more countries are at risk of failing as democracies. Mm. That is also, <clears throat> but that should be weighted to the fact that most countries that fail as democracy will in the next step return as democracies. Mm. Is that what you have seen and before? That is what I've seen before, yes. And uh, if we implement historical experiences to to the okay. future, I would. Uh, so we, we shouldn't get, we should we shouldn't panic if we see a number of countries slipping down from qualified democracy to to weaker democracy. Pa panic is not a good idea, but ne never good. No. Also, <laughs> I think those countries that now have problems, uh, if you take Poland, Hungary, and Ukraine, for instance, all of them have uh, in. Uh, longer perspective have had either no real nation building mm. or weak n nation building or insufficient nation building. I mean, Poland for several years didn't exist. Uh, if you're going back 100 years uh, and uh, more, uh, Hungary was dominated by Austria and Ukraine was just part of Russia and didn't exist mm. as a country. So, I mean, it takes time to fill, fulfill uh, Max's first criterion, control of the territory in a historical sense. Yes. To, to build yeah. up uh, a nation as a structure without even oh. considering democracy, just creating yeah. the infrastructure. So it takes a lot of time. I mean, yeah. compared to our country, which was, you know, existed since Democracy was so, <clears throat> kind of evolving from an existing nation state in Sweden. Mm. So what are the trends now then? Um, the challenges uh, and, the, and the trends, if you look like, I mean, I, 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 I will stop talking about 50 to 100 years. Let's talk about <laughs> what's going to happen within the next 10 years, say. Uh, what are the main trends and what are the challenges? And can you, can you mention also maybe some regions where there is a, which are problematic and uh, some regions that are hope, um, can show, show us some hope for improvement. Uh, looking at regions, I would say that seen over the past decade or so, Africa is perhaps the most successful region. And uh, mm. 
even though one may not believe so, the number of democracies has strongly increased. And even so qualified about Africa, sub Sub-Saharan Africa, is it? Uh, Africa is the total I include here. Okay. So you have Tunisia in mind. And uh, yes, those are included, I believe, in this. But Africa as a whole, Sub-Saharan Africa too, mm. has very much grown in democracy. Mm. Even though there are setbacks as well. But where there are setbacks, like in Benin or uh, you could see in Togo the past year, yeah. there are more, more, more good examples like Gambia and Sudan. So yeah. where there are setbacks, there are often positive examples too. Mm -hmm. And seen over, over the whole region, mm. one can still see a positive development. Other, uh, other regions have seen more setbacks in democracy thanks to the, and the, the total level of democracy is the, the way it is. It's thank, very much thanks to African development. development okay. and so what other Asia regions and, uh, have, have been problematic then? Asia has seen some dropping in democracy. Okay. All Asia or some parts of Asia? Southeast uh, Asia? Uh, Southeast Asia has seen some like uh, Thailand has seen a uh, drop in democracy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was oh, a the, military coup there, yeah. Military mm. coup and Philippines is uh, as transit from a qualified Duterte. to a weak mm. electoral democracy, but still a democracy, mm. even mm. though one have to see what happens there mm. in the future. So what about challenges? Uh, challenges, yes. Thematic, thematic challenges or geographic challenges? You can, you can, you can choose which one. One could see that uh, there is a possible uh, growth of populism and nationalism in the world as a whole, and that could be a challenge, mm -hmm. even though my, one may argue that the growth of nationalist party or populist party in itself could occur within the framework of democracy, only disturbing democracy, not being an actual factor uh, decreeing uh, democracy. But when in power, there is a higher risk of uh, degradation of democracy if there is a nationalist populist government. So mm. one perhaps one have to figure out different strategies to combat the growth of the uh, populist and nationalist movement. And is it naive to, to say that a, a population that is well informed and well educated uh, will not stand for a very long time an authoritarian leader? Uh, that tells them what to do. Is that naive? Uh, <laughs> maybe, that, is, maybe. Uh, <laughs> that is perhaps, uh, it depends on how strong the authoritarianism system is. Yeah. I would say of very course. much. If, if the, if the pop, pop sometimes, people uh, crushed underneath their boot, boots, then... Sometimes we have seen historically that popular movements have evolved around an authoritarian system. Hmm. And then, uh, while when uh, and then that could, in some sense, have strengthened the authoritarian system itself, mm. even though it may have be, uh, been a seed for a later democratic movement decades later. Okay. I think so perhaps, yeah, a well-educated and uh, population maybe uh, have have greater possibilities to withstand an authoritarian system than. Populations that are maybe not that educated, but mm. 
I, I think I believe like it's to... so much to do with institutional or system or political climate. Yes, and I would like to add, uh, of course, uh, uh, free media and also the existence of parties. Uh, I have to stress the importance of parties because mm. if you have activism like the Arab Spring without any parties formed that then pursue the policies that everybody wants uh, to be implemented. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it really, it can change the leader from A to B, but uh, in the longer run, it doesn't work if you don't have parties. So, and parties generally can take long time to create or form mm. in turn, uh, stressing the importance of parliaments in which parties are formed uh, mm. and can compete. Uh, mm. So it's very difficult to have a democracy if you don't have a real parliament in which real parties can be formed and compete for power. If you just have kind of a democratic movement without organization or power, power parties or parliament, it's almost, you know, in vain. It will just dissipate. It's just, it's, it has no future. Um, so it's like uh, Sweden uh, in, in the, say, 1855, when we had riots because of uh, famine um, and so on, but we had no parties. Uh, we had no real parliament uh, yet. Uh, mm. And uh, we had no organization that could uh, uh, accumulate interest and make them into mm. uh, possible policies that could be implemented by mm. winning election as a party mm. and so on and so forth. Ch channel these interests. Uh, yeah, to the exactly. Level of, level of power, That's yeah. extremely important. Uh, mm. Also, that was a problem for, say, Ukraine, because mm. they won independence just like that, suddenly, mm. as uh, the Soviet Union simply disappeared, uh, mm. they uh, got independence, but they didn't have real parties. And without mm. parties, they could not foster or breed um, trustworthy leaders that mm. would actually pursue the policies people wanted. And therefore, you have a very weak uh, democracy. Uh, compare that to Poland, where Solidarność uh, actually could uh, transfer those uh, opinions into proper policies, and they could win election. Actually, it was a landslide election in 89. Uh, and um, that was more successful. And then they had a lot of very small parties that eventually became a few more or less working parties. But mm. it took several decades to form a party system in within a parliament. So that process takes time. So it means yeah. that... Uh, um, you still believe the parties will be be there uh, to, to uh, foment the system for, for years to come, for, for the foreseeable future. So you can... Yeah, yeah. You can't see any other kind of organization for this. I guess Egypt is a very strong case in point, uh, as you've mentioned. 
because everyone was happy when there were there were demonstrations in the streets and this has had never happened before there and uh, we all know what happened after that lcc took power mm -hmm. so we'll see but I, I i think personally i think that what happened in egypt wasn't in vain and i've also talked to people from egypt who have no. the same uh, view that i mean there is something something happened in the population that created some kind of momentum and it's it's still yes. there it's simmering simmering below i mean underneath the surface in some way so some someday something's going to happen and maybe as you say hopefully yes yeah hopefully what's going and to happen is perhaps that party a new kind of party system is is uh, going to mushroom i i don't know but something still, uh, egypt has uh, compared to before the compared to today with the bacteria Egypt has a more pluralistic party system still, even though most of them are loyal to Sisi. Mm. Perhaps there is a room, uh, possibility for some of them to form the foundation of a more democratic system ahead. So on um, your scale, is Egypt higher now than it was during Mubarak? Or is it the at same? At this moment, it's, it's the same, I would say. It's the same, okay. Uh, well, but, uh, that's what most people simply say. Simply looking at the parliamentary structure, I will, it is have better conditions than during the Mubarak. Okay. But, yes. Um, so there was, a, there, was a, there was a seed, the, the seed was sown. Yes, uh, and hopefully it's still, uh, yes. it's still here uh, yeah. for a future development. But one will yeah. see. Let's hope, let's hope. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to add, add anything in, in that uh, area, Mikael? No, I just wanted to mention uh, that uh, Max's data set makes it possible to analyze the uh, detailed fabric of regimes in the world during huge periods of time in a way that is unprecedented. So, I mean, you can really use, say, uh, data mining techniques or you can use uh, uh, other perspectives on world development because you can focus not only on country cases and which systems mm. they have there, you can mm. focus on the institutions. You can mm. study different types of democracies and see which ones are the most successful and uh, least successful and then um, discuss uh, sequences so that you can advise which type of democracy would be the best one for each country in a certain moment in time. So, I mean, there are tremendous opportunities for a lot of research on his mm. data, really. So it's uh, really... That's a very good point. This is a truly unique data set, max range yeah. And hopefully it's, it's, it's going to spread more uh, among researchers and, and media also, perhaps. So finally, if you just can tell us a little bit uh, about where you're heading with your research and your data sets now, the next steps here, what's going to happen with this, this, uh, these well, enormous amounts of data? I, I, what do you say, Michael? Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I'm working actually on several... Uh, Papers. I have one paper now on post-Soviet regimes, uh, which type they selected, um, and this will be 
part of a volume on uh, on uh, uh, post-Soviet uh, political regimes for a, a, a book on uh, American uh, publishing house. Uh, I'm also working on a paper in which I try to find out the pioneers of certain regimes so that you can see uh, which ones are actually in, imitated later on. Mm. Uh, so you can distinguish between the original innovators of regimes and then the followers, the following adoptions of similar systems. Because it's interesting to see uh, democracies often differ. I mean, the typical differences between presidential systems and parliamentary systems, and how, in what sequences do they normally evolve? I mean, if you have one pre-democratic parliamentary system, does that mean that you will eventually be able to implement a parliamentary democracy, or can you change into a presidential system? And and what are the factors behind? Um, different uh, later uh, possible uh, regime types of, of countries. So mm. it, it's, uh, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing set of uh, questions po possible to answer with that type of multi-dimensional uh, data set. Uh, yes, data. really, truly. Yeah. So uh, as I said, it's, uh, it's possible to to use it for uh, very com complex analysis, but also for very uh, country-specific predictions of uh, certain uh, probabilities. Uh, yeah. So it's really useful for for yeah. several purposes, both for theoretical analysis and for practical use. A scientific goldmine. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, and Max, you're, you, you, you keep it up. Keep, I keep, keep it up by <laughs> updating the data for contemporary on a month, events. On a monthly basis. On a monthly basis and evolving okay. new variables and uh, yeah. expanded the data, both in the length and in the width. Right. Impressive. So there's always new, always new things to do. Yeah, working okay. Fantastic. Keep it up. Keep up your good work, both of you. And uh, uh, thank you very much for, for talking to me on Mind the Shift uh, this afternoon. Uh, we're recording this uh, mid-July 2020. Uh, so thanks again and uh, goodbye for now. Thank, thank you very much. much. Thank you.